What's up, people? Another episode of Just for Swartz. I'm OK Davis here with you. I hope you are doing well. I am doing well. Um, I got a bit of an interesting show for you today. Uh, some different things that I want to get into. Brittany Griner in Russia. Kyrie Irving with the Boston fans. Westbrook with the Lakers fans. Serena Williams talking about if she had done what Zverev had. She'd be on a one-year probation. And Calvin Ridley being suspended from the NFL and how it relates to Pete Rose. March Madness coming up. We'll talk about that. But I first want to start with this new HBO show. I know. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, there's a new Lakers show out there about, um, you know, kind of like the Showtime Although it's called Winning Time. And I know why it's called Winning Time. But (laughs) because you didn't want to call it Showtime. And there's an actual network called Showtime. But I watched the first episode. And. Oh boy. I like it. It's something different. You know it's rare you have a show like this. At least in my mind. That is related to sports. Um, that I was kind of excited about. I mean, I feel I, like I'm watching Formula One. I can't wait for that to come out again, especially after the way this season ended with Max Verstappen and Leonard Lewis Hamilton. About to call him Leonard Hamilton. No, he coaches Florida State basketball. But the I like the way it's you know it looks kind of 1980s ish, if you will. The only thing I don't like with it. Um, if it matters, you know, the show starts, you go back to 1979 when Magic Johnson was drafted, you know, they get into Dr. Jerry Buss buying the team, um, which by the way, I forgot that Jack Kent Cook, who used to own the Washington football team, but it was called something else back then was the owner of the Lakers. I kind of forget that the connection that, you know, we have in DC to the Lakers, um, the only thing I feel like that really is bothering me, and it's only one episode, so we got some time to go, is the breaking the the fourth wall, if you will, when uh, Dr. Jerry Buss, who's played, uh, very, casted very, very well in my mind, uh, played by John C. Riley. But like turning to the camera, talking to the to the lens, for some reason, uh, that's the only part of it I don't like it. But overall, would I watch it? Yes, I think it's a cool show. Um, I think that they do a very good job of kind of making you, taking you back in that time. Like in my mind, it's not shot like HD. You know, using a lot of the old, I don't know if it's 35 millimeter camera look, but it's definitely more of a film look. Um, And so I do, I do really, I do like that. 
It is, you know, based on a book by Jeff Perlman. The book is called Showtime. Um, and so from that perspective, I, I'm really looking, I, I want to see how they developed or develop, excuse me, not developed, develop the relationships between the players and the owner. Um, you know, it's got some really cool things. It's got some really cool elements to it so far. And I, and I, and I kind of am staying in generalities because what I don't want to do is, you know, tell you any more about the show in case you choose to watch it. But in my mind, if I had to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, so far, I'm giving it a thumbs up. And again, if I had to, you know, it's, it's kind of like The Last Dance, but I know The Last Dance was a documentary that, and, and I don't know if now, because you had the documentary, The Last Dance, it got me to thinking of what other team over a dynasty would you want to show? And I guess you could immediately think about, oh, okay, you could go to the Larry Bird and do the Celtics that would almost run parallel to the Lakers, you know, or maybe, I don't know if it would be worth it to go all the way back to Bill Russell and those Celtics, you know, but in, but in more of the teams that we know, you know, there was already a documentary about the Pistons, but I think that was, you know, there was a lot there um, with the, the different characters on the team and a dynamic. Um, I think I'd like to see, and maybe they're already working on it, but you know, probably the Miami Heat with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and how that all came together, I think would be another cool show. And I'm specifically thinking about something that will return into an episodic TV show, not a documentary. Um, maybe the KD years with Golden State, but probably not because, you know, I think the key that makes it different is we're talking about the dynasty. I guess you could too do one on Golden State, um, you know, and I think you'd almost start it with the, you know, I think uh, Gilbert Arenas was leaving Golden State as Steph Curry was coming in. And there may be some years in between that that I'm not remembering. But, you know, the change as the, you can even talk about Mark Jackson versus Steve Kerr. I mean, there's still a lot today where every time, Mark Jackson does a Warriors game. Somebody on social media has to say, oh, you know, Steve Kerr really just inherited Mark Jackson's team, blah, blah, blah. Always never remembering that there actually is a general manager that plays a role in that as if it's just Mark Jackson versus Steve Kerr. But there's a lot there with that. There's a lot there with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And then the lightning rod that is Draymond Green and then bringing in KD and whatever beef there was there and then him going away. Klay Thompson getting hurt. There's a lot there that you can do with it. I mean, while it's fresh in everyone's mind, you know, maybe you could do it now. I think people would still watch it. People are showing that there's an appetite for winning time. Oh, that title is just so awful. But again, I know why, because you couldn't call it showtime. But winning time just sounds... So corny. That's that's probably the only other thing I don't like about it. But I do like the show. It's on HBO Max. Hopefully uh, you can get a chance to check it out if you have HBO. Um, the casting has been... It's, it's really good. Solomon Hughes as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, 
Norm Nixon's son playing Norm Nixon, Devon Nixon. How cool is that? Uh, and uh, Quincy Isaiah playing Magic Johnson. I think he's, you know, the way the opening shot, the beginning of the show starts really shocks you. Uh, reminds me of how the beginning of Snowfall shocked me this year as I'm starting to watch Snowfall and um, my other show, which is the last year that's happening, is Killing Eve. But it's good. It's good. In the end, yeah, I just want to say it's a good show. So check it out. Sticking with the NBA, if you will, two stories that have come up recently that... Um, as a fan, even I'm kind of getting tired of it. And I always say that, you know, everybody's got keyboard courage. You can easily put stuff on social media without any, you know, really repercussions for it, if you will. But, and hey, I, it's okay. Even Russell Westbrook says it's okay to be critical of me in a way. Um, but he's speaking out after the Lakers lost to the San Antonio Spurs because now it has gone too far. The Lakers are eight games under 500. They needed 56 points from LeBron James to beat the Warriors the other night. And yeah, Westbrook's not playing great. They lost to the San Antonio Spurs 117-100 to without Anthony Davis, without LeBron James. Just want to add that. Russell Westbrook is making $44 million a year, the highest paid player in the Lakers, and he isn't performing. And from that perspective, I think that it's... I don't necessarily have a problem with you saying, hey, he's not performing. He should be playing better. But the vitriol that's on social media that's now gotten to the point that his wife is feeling threatened. He's worried for his kids. That shouldn't happen. Westbrook said, I've kind of let it go in the past because it never really bothered me. This is a quote from him. But it really kind of hit me the other day. Me and my wife were at teacher parent conferences for our son. Teacher told me, Noah, he's so proud of his last name. He writes it everywhere. He writes it on everything. He tells everybody and walks around and says, I'm Westbrook. And I kind of sat there in shock and it hit me like, Damn, I can no longer allow people to besperch my name, end quote. I wouldn't want my son to deal with that. Granted, that's a part of being a professional athlete, a part of being a star. You know, you're recognized, especially more in basketball, because there's no helmet. Everybody gets to see you. And yeah, that plays a role in it. Westbrook said, you know, a lot of times he lets it slide when it's coming from the media or fans screaming it out. But then when it's in on social media, I mean, I know it's easy to say, oh, well, just turn it off. Don't pay attention to the social media. But, you know, you also have to remember, you're not necessarily on social media just to watch what people are saying about Russell or his family. No, you know, he may be on social media for something else. And then as you're on the feed, you see scrolling down. Oh, and then all of a sudden you look at Westbrook and you're down a rabbit hole and it's bad. And I don't like that. You know, and then at the Celtics game, Kyrie Irving was booed. 
He said, Kyrie Irving said, quote, I know it's going to be like that for the rest of my career coming in here. But then he followed up with saying, it's like the scorned girlfriend who wants an explanation on why I left but still hoping for a text back. I'm just like, it's fun while it lasted. I think that's the relationship that makes it fun. But remember, uh, what was that, three weeks ago, a month ago, when Kyrie said that, you know, the Cleveland fans were ungrateful. He brought them a championship and they were ungrateful. And now we got Boston. They're not happy with Kyrie. And really, I'm sure people in Brooklyn are not happy with Kyrie. He has become a lightning rod. Jason Tatum even tried to quiet the crowd as they were screaming, Kyrie stinks, but they're using another S word. And, you know, all Kyrie could do was smile. They had a really good team in Boston. They blew it up. Well, not 100% blew it up, but Kyrie was a key cog. They had a really good team then. But I feel like I understand as fans, you get upset. You want your team and the players to perform at a certain level, blah, blah, blah. But there is a part of me that's like, at some point, I feel like we've just gone too far. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, they're not playing well. You want to see them play better. Even I sometimes get into the negative. And I forget that even my own motto of trying to find the silver lining, right? Don't we all want to find the silver lining in life? If you're at the basketball game where you get to watch the Net and Celtics, can't you just sit back and say, wow, I get to be at a basketball game. Let me enjoy it. Let me have fun with it and not turn it into something where I'm getting upset and I'm negative and I'm booing and like, you know, yeah, I'm probably in the minority with that, but I don't like it. That's not why I want to go to a game. Now, if you want to make the beginning boo as they're walking out for the national, you know, for, you know, for pregame or for the national, before the national anthem, and you want to be like, boo, just because you're trying to boo the team and cheer on your team, okay. But the personal attacks is what's gotten out of hand. And it's got to stop, especially because you're asking these athletes to be professional. You're asking them, and, and really, the league is saying, no, you can't go in the stands you can't attack somebody, which you shouldn't, but you, but come on, for all of you out there, if you were at work, I'm out here recording the podcast, could you imagine if someone was just booing me as I was trying to do this podcast? Someone booing you at work while you're trying to work? In the end, to me, it's just not that cool. It just really isn't, and it, and it really, it's becoming disturbing. It really is. Speaking of disturbing... Well, it's a couple things that are disturbing. Um, okay, so I was half joking about the one thing I was going to say was disturbing. Breaking news as I'm recording this podcast is that Aaron Rodgers, uh, news is coming out that he's agreed to a four-year, $200 million extension with the Packers. Is this really true? Four years at $200 million? $50 million a year? Aaron Rodgers would be the highest paid player in the NFL. Well, I guess it's $153 million of it is guaranteed. But that also, as Ian Rappaport is saying, it'll take the cap number down. I mean, $50 million a year. 
as Jay Glazer says it, but I mean, if 153 is guaranteed, so that money is going to go down. I don't think he's worth it. I think it's a mistake. Green Bay is making the biggest mistake in the franchise history of the Packers. The reason why I feel that way actually has to do with not the current Aaron Rodgers, but the rookie Aaron Rodgers. When Brett Favre was the quarterback of Green Bay, and granted that was different management then, it was a different era in football, you could argue. But Green Bay said bye to Brett Favre. We've got Aaron Rodgers here. And we're moving on. And I thought Brett Favre had built a real legacy. A real legacy in Green Bay. And outside of what you may want to say about him as a person, which I'm I'm not even really even getting to that. I remember when he was on the Falcons and then he came to the Packers. But he was really traded early in that season with the Falcons to the Packers. They went to two Super Bowls, multiple NFC Championship games, and won one Super Bowl. And even with that, it was very easy for them to say, hey, we're going to switch quarterbacks and we're going to go with Aaron Rodgers. And maybe this is like, okay, no, obviously we can easily say, okay, maybe Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers' equivalent as a young player. That's a possibility. But there's still something about this to me that says, I don't know. Maybe you had an opportunity to say, okay, bye, Brett. And we're going to, you know, we're feeling the love. We're feeling the love. And they didn't. And I guess with their receiving core of Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equiminius St. Brown, maybe they're all now going to resign. Tight ends, everybody wants to come back. But then you have Jordan Love out there who is... Drafted by the Packers in the first round in 2020. And now I guess you're going to have to deal them. Let's face the facts. Aaron Rodgers is nowhere near the caliber of a Tom Brady. Nowhere near in my mind. Yeah, he won one Super Bowl. But he's failed more than he's won. At 38, you're giving him this deal? I mean, there's probably some kind of out clause as I read further that says oh they can get out after two years or something like that that's a possibility that is a possibility but I think it's a mistake Aaron Rodgers has proven to you that he is definitely way more into himself than anyone else so who knows if all of a sudden you know you could do something in a month from now and he's like ah never mind I don't want to be there anymore that I just I think you had a chance to go with Jordan Love there and start that new era and not have to deal with every season of what's gonna what's Brett Favre gonna do now but apparently now he's got almost 200 million dollars coming to him over the next four years we'll see what happens I wish them the best
And I probably will say I told you so if it doesn't work out. I probably will. I probably will. Guess maybe that's not a good thing. What also isn't a good thing in the NFL is the NFL has suspended Calvin Ridley, the Falcons wide receiver, for at least a 2022 season for gambling on games. And that's disappointing to me. Here's a quote. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell today suspended Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons indefinitely through at least the conclusion of the 2022 season for betting on NFL games in the 2021 season. A league statement came out and said the activity took place during a five-day period in late November 2021 while Ridley was not with the team and was away from the club's facility on the non-football illness list. The leagues, not just the NFL, are built now on gambling on betting the games, the props, the money line, the over-under, et cetera, et cetera, spreads. Goodell wrote to Ridley, quote, your actions put the integrity of the game at risk, threatened to damage public confidence in professional football and potentially undermine the reputations of your fellow players throughout the NFL. For decades, gambling on NFL games has been considered among the most significant violations of league policy warranting the most substantial sanction. In your case, I acknowledge and commend you for promptly reporting for an interview and for admitting your actions. Calvin Ridley said on Twitter, I bet $1,500 total. I don't have a gambling problem, is what he said. The Falcons said, quote, we were first made aware of the league's investigation on February 9th, the Falcons statement. Uh, we have cooperated fully with the investigation since receiving notice and support the league's findings and actions. We are moving forward in the 2022 season with the decision that was made. With that decision, with the decision that was made by the NFL, any further questions on the investigation should be directed to the league office. Calvin really has a series of tweets where he says, I couldn't even watch football at that time. He was just away from the game, so he thought that, look, it doesn't even matter what I'm doing. He said, I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year, LOL. According to NFL Network's Mike Garofalo, Ridley made parlay bets on games using his cell phone, and that his bets included Falcons games. But that also his bets cover multiple sports. And that it was Genius Sports Group, which manages the NFL's data and monitoring, monitoring informed the NFL of Ridley's parlay bets. The funny thing is the Falcons had declined Ridley trades, and probably because they knew this was coming down, which is very honorable of the Falcons in some way. He's not the first player to be banned for betting, Josh Shaw. Um, was a defensive back with the Cardinals, was suspended in 2019. And then he came back for a minute, and then he was gone again. The funny thing is that reading the past history of players who were suspended, Paul Hornung, who is uh, a pretty prominent Hall of Famer, if I remember correctly, from the Green Bay Packers. The last time anybody was suspended was 1983 before Josh Shaw and Calvin Ridley. 
And I find it a little bit hypocritical. And I find it hypocritical because the NFL sees, along with the other leagues, a lot of, you know, I mean, NFL betting is not going away. Now it's mainstream. Now you just want everybody to lose their shirt. But this also got me to thinking about Pete Rose. Should Pete Rose be reinstated? I mean, NFL is suspending Calvin Ridley for a year, probably because they know, hey, we really are in bed with, you know, betting now. It's mainstream. It's a part of our revenue stream. And no, I don't think what Calvin Ridley did was right. But I also think like externally, I mean, internally, there may be a lot more people that have been suspended at work for this team or that team that was betting on sports. That's a distinct possibility. But I feel that that should be more in the public. That, you know, maybe a disclaimer. Team employees and players cannot and will not be betting on games. You know, I think this was literally Calvin Ridley made a mistake. And maybe, you know, I'm sure just like when I was with the Wizards, yes, there were some questionnaires you had to fill out about why you shouldn't gambling, shouldn't gamble and not gamble. And obviously for Calvin Ridley, he figured, oh, well, I'm not necessarily with the team right now, so it's okay. But it's not okay. But also feel like there's some culpability with the leagues to be benefiting so much from betting and not know that this is opening up Pandora's box. That this is going to be trouble for a lot of, not just the players, but employees of the teams. I don't even necessarily say it's a gray area because I imagine the leagues will say, no, it's not a gray area. But in my mind, I feel like, no, this is legitimately... This is legitimately a problem now. You're not going to, you know, this monitoring that was done for betting. And I do, I do, betting's fun. It's cool when you got something on the line. You know, it gives you a little more uh, interest in the game as a whole not just your team that you're rooting for because a lot of times you're doing parlay bets or fantasy sports all of that stuff is all a part of it and hopefully this will kind of really clear up that gray area make it a little more black and white because I do think that is a problem I do think it's a big problem another big problem I have uh, that Serena Williams made a big deal about was Alexander Zverev in the Mexico Tennis Mexican Open. You can see him smashing his racket on the umpire's chair after losing, really, it was a doubles match in Acapulco. He hit the chair three times, sit, sat down, and then got back up and was yelling at the umpire. That he destroyed the match. And then hit the the umpire's chair again as the umpire was climbing down. 
And so now Alexander Zverev has a one-year probation by the ATP. I imagine he's going to get some kind of a fine and that this behavior is unacceptable. But Zverev is doing a lot. He's been in the news for the wrong reasons lately. Now, I thought maybe Serena Williams went a little too far with her assessment, saying that she felt that she'd probably be in jail if she had acted like Zverev toward an umpire. She said uh, in an interview with Christian Amanpour, quote, I'd probably be in jail if I did that, like literally no joke, end quote. I don't know about jail, but I will say that there is no doubt that Serena Williams has faced more backlash, more fines for her outbursts at other umpires. And I think that's something that the ATP Tour and the WTA have to look at. You should not be abusing umpires that way. They're there to do a job. They're not perfect. You're not perfect on the court either. But the ability to to respect them as people and not necessarily go. I mean, you know, you think about in the NBA, you just touch a referee and you can get ejected and more. But to think that Zverev used an actual weapon in the racket that could hurt if it hit the umpire. I think the ATP Tour let him off easy. What probation? This isn't like this is a first offense for him. So I don't even understand how this could be just a probation. I really don't. But, you know, the rule has been handed down and let's see if he can be on his best behavior for Another 364 days. Somebody else who needs to be on their best behavior moving forward is Brittany Griner, the two-time Olympic gold medalist, seven-time WNBA All-Star. She was arrested last month at a Moscow airport after authorities allegedly found vape cartridges containing hashish oil. I worry for Brittany Griner. The WNBA, yes, they should be saying we stand behind Brittany. But this is now the government's going to have to be involved. Because there are former Pentagon officials saying that that Brittany Griner is now, quote, a high-profile hostage in that she could potentially be used as bait to try to get someone in U.S. jail released. This is scary. Now, for those of you who don't know, yes, you know, WNBA players don't make the kind of money that NBA players, and they normally supplement their income by playing overseas. And you can make a lot of 
a lot of money overseas. Sometimes you can pay from European clubs up to 10 times what you would make in America. Who knew? Brittany Griner played for the Russian Premier League uh, team UMMC yet Kotterenberg. UMMC. I've never even paid attention to that. I mean, but this same team paid Phoenix Mercury teammate Diana Taurasi $1.5 million once. So you can understand why you want to go play overseas. The question for me is, when you were thinking of going over there, I've been trying, you know, I've been wondering... You knew this was like escalating in Russia. And it's probably like, hey, I need to get home to be careful. But I'm sure at the same time, you're probably scared of Russia. You don't know if they're going to poison you or fine you or make you play bad. I mean, I don't know what was going through her mind. But she had a chance to get out earlier and probably should have put the vape away. And didn't. And you worry about her mental health, you know, what they're doing to her in Rush in the Russian jail. I mean, she in the past, you know. Any athlete was highly regarded to be playing over there and probably got, you know, the red carpet treatment. But this is a different time. And I wish in many ways, uh, Brittany Griner had thought about that. The team is owned by a Russian oligarch. Jesus, estimated worth is $9.7 billion. Now that's going down almost in half because of the war. But I hope this ends uh, quickly and privately if there is some kind of exchange. And that probably won't happen. It probably won't. But I would be, I'd be really worried. And I hope she's okay. I really do. Last thing I'm going to talk about is where... Something, I am not okay. Yeah, I went to the Pitt-Duke game. I did. But I am not paying attention to March Madness. We are literally in the best month in college basketball. And I'm just not, I just have not been paying attention. And as we get ready for March Madness, does that make me better for it? Because I don't know the teams as well as I have in the past. And so now I can, you know, make a, you know, everybody does their little bracket. But there's no science to it. It's not like, you know, 
you find out the person who really studied it wins all the time. It doesn't happen that way. But when I was looking at the latest AP poll, there's what, Gonzaga's number one, Arizona's two, Baylor's three. It's mostly the usual suspects. But there are a few that surprise me. UCLA, uh, not so much Wisconsin. Providence definitely at ranked 11th. St. Mary's of California, after they beat Gonzaga, they're ranked 17th. Murray State's ranked 19th. That's right, the former school of Ja Morant. Colorado State ranked 23rd. So there are some schools in here that I'm like, oh, I, I didn't even know. Arkansas at 15, didn't really know about them either. But I got to find a way to get back into March Madness. And maybe I'll do that with the ACC tournament. And I know Pitt, you know, unless they have a miraculous run. That's why I would love to see that miraculous run. But I also want to see a Duke-North Carolina rematch. I mean, how sweet was it that North Carolina beat Duke in the final game for Coach K? Maybe it's good motivation for Duke going into the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. But that's, oh, that's, never would have thought they would have lost that game. And you can't go back. You cannot go back. This is Coach K's final run. His last regular season game was a loss. Which I don't, I, I should look this up. Does that mean that that is Coach K's, did he start his career at Duke with a loss? That would be interesting if he started it the way he ended it. He started with a loss, ended with a loss. Hmm. I did enjoy, I really did enjoy watching the the ceremony for Coach K at Pitt. I when I was going to the game, um, it is something that was kind of on my own. Um, on my mind, excuse me, but not 100% that I would really be going there and watching the game. But it was, it was experience to see. And, and I'm glad I put the ticket, which I did get a good paper ticket, which I'm thankful that Pitt still does paper tickets. I put it in my ticket book. Maybe one day I have a show where I just look at my ticket book. Of course, nobody can see it because it's a podcast. Maybe I have to do a live stream. We'll see. We'll see. And we'll also see how this week goes as far as me actually getting into college basketball again and watching some of the, the tournament games. Probably the pandemic played a role in that too. Like it's, it just seems like so long ago that, you know, it's not like we're in an office and, you know, some of your friends are around and you're talking about the games and thinking about doing your bracket. It's just not the same when you're by yourself. It just really isn't. But that's the life of a podcaster, huh? You're in a room. You don't have guests. You're talking. You're sharing your thoughts. And I hope you've enjoyed Just for Sport. I'm Jamoke Davis. Until next time. To the window. Ciao for now. Thank you.
Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Just for Sport podcast. All you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code J for Sport, and Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right, they'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the Prize Picks app today.